electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is the American Greed Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. In this episode of American Greed, it's a dangerous job. But Carlos Rafael, a.k.a. the Codfather, makes a killing in commercial fishing. His secret? Lying and cheating. This is his way of life, to break the law repeatedly. Rafael is salty. S-A-S, look at me. He's really kind of a character. He's very funny. He's really profane. And he can't stop bragging, which makes the Codfather easy to catch on tape. The government wants to put me in jail for price fixing because I control the while the market is bad. But how will the feds respond when they learn the Codfather's secret sauce? Includes a sheriff's deputy smuggling cash. You have to understand, that's where 9-11 started, Boston Logan Airport. And now we're hearing about a law enforcement officer circumventing security at that same airport. New Bedford, Massachusetts is a small port city that typically attracts tourists and fishermen. But in June 2015, two self-described Russian mobsters show up in town. They say they are looking for a place to stash more than $100 million in cash. Their best bet is Carlos Rafael, the crude boss of the New Bedford waterfront, who has a fleet of 32 fishing boats worth millions. The Russians tell Rafael they want to buy his business, but first, they need to see his books. In response, Raphael makes a joke. You could be the IRS, and this could be a plus the. <laughs> and then he thinks again. No, the only thing I offer myself because you both use the Russians. I don't think they would have to. <laughs> the Russians laugh, but the joke is on Raphael. They are the IRS. And this undercover operation is off to a good start. They are now confident they will learn the secrets of the man who has earned the nickname the Codfather. Rafael's story begins in the Azores Islands off the coast of Portugal, where he is born. In 1968, he convinces his family to move to America. Andy Lelling is the U.S. attorney for the District of Massachusetts. He came here from Portugal approximately at the age of 15. He doesn't have much education. He doesn't really know the language. He gets a job on the docks in New Bedford, and he just stays there. In coming to New Bedford, Rafael's family is following generations of Portuguese fishermen who have come to this famous port. It was once the center of the whaling industry, but when whaling dies, the money here moves to what is called ground fish, haddock, flounder, and the fish that America was founded on, cod. Peter Shelley is a lawyer with the Conservation Law Foundation. 
cod was the reason a lot of the colonists came here because they were so abundant. It was literally the first industry in the country. By the 1970s, when Raphael is settling into New Bedford, enormous factory ships from around the world are close by, making off with millions of pounds of fish each day. They would process fish 24 hours, seven days a week. Fishermen who were around at that time have said it looked like Manhattan out there. There were so many lights of the boats parked, even just 60 or 70 miles offshore. The fleets of foreign boats are legally in international waters. But the presence of Soviet fishing boats lurking just offshore does not sit well with Americans. And so in 1976, Congress kicks out the foreigners and establishes a zone of 200 offshore miles as exclusive to the United States. And then the government offers subsidized loans to U.S. fishermen. Now they had to build up the American fisheries because we were nothing, and they just started handing out free money. At the time, Jim Kendall is well into his career as a scallop fisherman. Anybody wanted to build a boat and find a small down payment could go get it. And that is when Carlos Rafael launches his career in the fishing industry. John Mitchell is the mayor of New Bedford. For a young Azorian like Carlos, New Bedford was a place of opportunity, and he certainly took advantage of that. While working as a fish cutter, Rafael gets a loan in 1980 and opens Carlos Seafood, a fish processing plant. Soon after, he buys his first boats, perfectly positioning himself to rake in big money. He has his own captains on his own boats catching the fish. When those fish come into port, those boats are selling the fish to his own business. And his timing could not be better. His introduction to being a, a fishing operation in New England was this chaos of sort of a free-for-all. And the message, quite literally, was there's a lot of fish out there to catch. Go catch them. And while Raphael may enjoy fishing for fun, for business, he sends his captains out to catch the fish. He stays on the shore. No, no, he was never a true fisherman. Carlos was a lot of things, but that's one thing he can't claim. And for many, that is a significant distinction. Because professional fishermen are people who routinely head out into treacherous waters in what is still one of the most dangerous professions in the country. John Bullard, now retired, was the Greater Atlantic Regional Administrator for NOAA. People who've been out at sea, they learn humility. You look at a big wave or a big storm, you understand humility. And most every fisherman I know has that humility. There's not an ounce of humility in Carlos Raphael. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. This is the story of the one. 
As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Almost everyone who meets him learns that. As he tells the IRS undercover agents, he is among the smartest guys on the docks. I know things that a lot of people don't know what they in this business. Some of them, they think they know a lot of And one of the most important things Raphael knows is that to succeed, he needs lots of boats. Bigger is always better. If you are a small farmer and you have one cow to get milk for the baby, the cow dies, you You don't have milk for the baby. If you are a big farmer, you got a hundred cows and the cow dies, you get the bulldozer, you dig a hole, the cow in but you got 99, you're still operating. <laughs> He's really kind of a character. He's sort of a loud, boisterous guy. He's very funny. He's really profane. He is memorable. As Carlos Rafael's business grows, it appears that his story is a classic tale of an immigrant achieving the American dream. Here's a, a young man who moved here from his homeland at a very young age with a little formal education and worked some very hard jobs on the docks and eventually saved money to build up a business. And that's laudable in the most fundamental ways that we Americans value. But Raphael's story is more complicated. Early on, people who do business with him learn to be careful. Well, if I shook hands with him, I guess I'd count my fingers after I got through shaking hands with him based on his reputation. It is no secret that Raphael will agree to pay a price for a load of fish at the morning auction, but it is often not a final price. The one time that Carlos bought my trip, I actually ended up not selling the Carlos because he tried to cut the price that he had agreed to pay, and I refused to, to let him do so. Raphael says he is just protecting his business. You're gonna say he's a rough little business way. Well, but it's one thing to gouge fishermen and another to cheat the U.S. government. For years, Raphael thinks the U.S. can wait for his tax payments. But the IRS disagrees. He's prosecuted for tax evasion by my office in 1986. And he was convicted in that case. Raphael serves four months in prison. Most people would respond to an experience like that and say, you know what, I'm never going to let that happen uh, to me again. And, uh, but that wasn't Carlos's reaction. No, it's not. Rafael's reaction is to continue to draw the attention of law enforcement. And it's not long before a second indictment comes down. This time, he is charged with price fixing. The allegation was he was colluding with other commercial fishermen in New Bedford to set prices on certain kinds of fish. The government wants to put me in jail for price fixing because I control the market in New Bedford. But he pulls out his charm and, as he says, played the jury. 
I got them to sympathize with me. The first thing, I just want them to like me. If they like me, I know I got them leak. His strategy works. The jury takes his side, and he is acquitted. As he walks out of the courtroom, he has a message for the prosecutors. They were all sitting over there and said, ask look at me. So all of you, you you know, good, miserable every single one of you pranks. Ron Mullet is a special agent with the IRS. That pretty well encapsulates his feelings about authority. He is not going to be told what to do by anybody at any time. He's his own person, and the rules just weren't made for him. In 1994, fishermen up and down the New England coast receive stunning news. The fish that have been so plentiful for hundreds of years are disappearing. Species like haddock, flounder, and the mighty cod are in a dangerous state of decline. We discovered, wow, we can overfish just as much as the Russians can. And, uh, you know, a bust followed boom. To give the fish a chance to rebound, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, comes up with a complicated set of regulations. This is a national crisis. We are trying to... At the time, John Bullard is the regional administrator of NOAA. And the rules are complex, to say the least. I mean, our rules are literally that thick. The fishermen are furious. They see not only their livelihood, but an entire way of life on the brink of extinction. The new regulations means you're out of business. One rules everything. Everything I've worked for for 35 years is uh, only a matter of time. We're trying to survive here. Think about what kind of a person wants to go out and brave the elements. They're fiercely independent people. They're not the kind of person who says, oh, hey, regulate me. I got no money. You know, everybody talking, talking. I see the money. And while fishermen with small operations are yelling, Carlos Rafael knows he will survive. The strong will get stronger and the weak will disappear. In Rafael's mind, the weak are the hundreds of fishermen who operate one or two boats, people like Rodman Sykes. Sykes is a third-generation fisherman operating near New Bedford in Point Judith, Rhode Island. Only other thing I ever wanted to do was play second base for the Red Sox, and that didn't work out, so. <laughs> so I became a fisherman. Sykes begins his fishing career at the same time Raphael enters the industry, in the good old days. Back then, you could do whatever you wanted to do. I mean, you throw the lines off and go, go fishing wherever you wanted, catch whatever you wanted. But then he is faced with regulations that limit the horsepower on his boat and dictate that he use nets with wider mesh to decrease his catch. It was just be going from no restrictions to that was scary. You know, you're hauling that and you see these great big flounders swimming out right through the meshes and go swimming away. We can't possibly do this. But the most severe restriction for some fishermen is a limitation on the number of days a boat can be at sea. Over time, as the fish don't rebound, the number of days gets smaller and smaller. If someone says, I'm going to reduce the number of days you can fish, that hits the family budget. That has consequences. That may mean that the captain says, sorry, guys, 
we're not going to be able to provide health insurance in the nation's most dangerous job. And that means that thousands of fishermen are forced out of the business. But Carlos Rafael is thriving. He has added scallop boats to his fleet, and they more than make up for the losses in groundfish. He was doing quite fine running his scallopers, and no doubt about it, and making millions and millions of dollars. And as for all those rules and regulations to protect groundfish, easy. It appears he simply ignores them. I don't think that he actively sought to break them. They just were meaningless to him. I'm just going to do what I want to do because I want to do it. And over time, violations stack up. Exceeded haddock limit. Fished in closed area. Exceeded days at sea limit. Submitted false daily catch reports. But as he tells the IRS, he is not intimidated by government inspectors. Yesterday, I got pissed off. You wrote, you give us a warning yesterday. He says, you know what I should do with this piece of paper? Stuck it up your ass, you stupid son of a bitch. He's incorrigible. This is his way of life, to break the law repeatedly and challenge the federal government to catch him, and then catch him again, and then catch him again. And the feds do continue to catch him. In 1999, there is a third indictment for Rafael. This time, he is caught lying on an application for a permit to catch squid, saying he has a history in the business. The government followed up on that paperwork, and they found that these people had never purchased squid from Carlos. Uh, one of the businesses said, I wasn't even in business at the time uh, that he allegedly sold me these, the squid. Rafael has no defense this time. He pleads guilty to five counts of false statements and is sentenced to probation and six months house arrest. And when the punishment ends, it's back to business as usual. And his fines mount. 25,000 here, 30,000 there. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Those monetary penalties probably would have put the average fisherman out of business. But Raphael can afford the fines. At the time, he says he is worth at least $10 million. And that is when the Codfather is born. He called himself the Codfather. So 
he modeled himself over a, a crime family. He wasn't ashamed of being a lawbreaker. He bragged about it. And while Raphael continually thumbs his nose at law enforcement, most other fishermen make a different painful choice. None of us like the regulations, but they're not just for some people and not others, you know, and I try to go by them as, as well as I know them. By 2009, Carlos Rafael is running one of the largest commercial ground fish businesses in the United States. He proudly attributes his success to his hard work. The only thing I could build next was working seven days a week, 12 hours a day. At this point, he is a fixture on the new Bedford waterfront, often entertaining visitors at a waterfront festival with his tips on cutting and buying fresh fish. You got red eyes. It's like when you have a bad night with a few drinks too many. And you wake up in the morning and invite You do not want that fish. <laughs> it appears that Raphael is doing exceedingly well but many of his competitors are struggling to eke out a living as the fish fail to rebound. And a lot of guys didn't get through it. I have a lot of friends that have gone, lost their boats. And as more and more fishermen call it quits, Raphael is there to take their boat off their hands. And that makes him a kind of hero in New Bedford, credited with keeping a dying industry afloat. He kept vessels fishing, which employed four or five fishermen per boat, several people on the shore. There was a big upside to it. But Raphael repeatedly makes it clear that he doesn't care about other fishermen. At a meeting where a proposal to provide emergency relief money to suffering fishermen is discussed, Raphael speaks up. Carlos said, the hell with them. He says, they're just going to spend it on booze or drugs anyways. I mean, that was Carlos's opinion. There was a young man who said that he wanted to be able to get into fishing, and Carlos said, uh, you know, this guy is never going to get into fishing. I am going to squash him like a bug. Quintessential Carlos. I'll squash him like a bug. He, he would get up at the mic and say, I don't give a damn about you small fishermen. I'm going to get it all. I mean, it, it was not a, a veiled state of mind. And then in 2010, a new set of rules is put in place for ground fish that gives him the edge he is looking for. For many, the days at sea regulation is gone. Now, government scientists will determine how many fish of each species can be caught in a year. And each fisherman will be given a percentage of that number, a quota for how many they can catch of each kind of fish. And then the boat can pick and choose when it goes out, how many days it goes out to catch its, its allotment for the year. It's made to order for Carlos Rafael because the percentage a fisherman gets of a species like cod, for example, is based on how many cod a fisherman caught in recent years. So the people who fished the hardest on the most stressed fish were given the biggest percentage of the future quota on that fish. And so Raphael is able to obtain around 50 permits to catch millions of pounds of fish. These quotas, these permits, were the lifeblood of commercial fishing after 2010. If you had a lot of permits, 
You could do a lot of fishing, you could make a lot of money. If you didn't have a lot of permits, then you couldn't do a lot of fishing and make a lot of money. It sounds simple, but it is not when it comes to ground fish. And that is because ground fish swim together. And when the nets go down, different species get caught together. So whatever fish is the lowest quota, once you caught your quota of that fish, you had to stop fishing. So if you caught all the yellowtail you were allowed to catch, you couldn't cast your nets anymore because you were going to pull in more yellowtail among everything else that you caught. And so you had to stop right there. And inevitably, some fishermen do not have enough permits to stay in business. And once again, Carlos Rafael is there to buy their boats and their permits, ostensibly bailing them out, but also serving his personal ambition. So this is a man of that for me to pick the rest of his and just get them all out of the picture. Because I don't know if it's read of his ambition, this is from the heart. I always had the ambition that got control of all This may be Raphael's moment to get total control. But that does not mean he will stop also trying to steal. In October 2013, one of his boats reports a catch of 1,850 pounds of scallops. But a check by Noah of what is really on board reveals that the boat has 12,794 pounds, over six times what he reports. He gets caught again, and Noah finds him $70,000. Rafael can afford that fine, and so he is willing to take risks that other fishermen would not dare take. I'd be scared to death. <laughs> he had a lot of permits, so maybe he could afford to lose one or two. I've got one. If I lose that, a boat without permits, not totally worthless, but not worth much. They're trying to follow the rules. They're trying to eke out a living with maybe three boats. Here you have Carlos Rafael with 40 boats. He's cheating, you know he's cheating, and he's prospering. You're not cheating, and you're not prospering. And there seems to be just one conclusion. He's untouchable, he's the codfather. For years, Carlos Rafael is a thorn in the side of law enforcement. He has been prosecuted three times with two convictions and he has paid hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines for civil violations. You can cite him for doing this and that, and for him, it's like a parking ticket. Something more was needed. And the chance to do something more comes in January 2015, when IRS agents see an article in the New Bedford paper saying that Raphael wants to sell his business. He tells the reporter, I'm going to cash in and screw. So I saw that article and thought, if he wants to sell his business, maybe, maybe we're interested in buying it. And so IRS undercover agents place a call to Raphael. They just picked up the phone and called him and said, we're a bunch of guys from New York. We're thinking about buying your business. Would you sit down with us? Raphael takes the bait and agrees to a meeting in June. There are three undercover agents working the operation. One is playing the part of a financial broker. The other two are his clients, who claim to be Russian investors. They meet Raphael at his office. He wasn't anybody like uh, I ever met before. 
Alex is an undercover agent for the IRS. If he's given an opportunity, he'll talk about himself constantly. Larger than life, very in your face. Gary is an undercover agent for the IRS. Lots of vulgarity, swearing, yelling, screaming. I didn't realize that the, the F word could be used in so many ways in a sentence, to be quite frank. The Russian's first question to Raphael, what does he want for his business? His answer, $175 million. And they said to him, well, we'd have to see your books. So when Carlos showed them his legitimate books, it did not support that price. So they said to him, why would we pay you $175 million for this business? And to answer that question, he needs to reveal his scheme, how he gets around the law and keeps his profits high. Got some of the species where we got locomotive and make the species disappear. I call them something else, and you know, some of the quarters I got plenty of it. I call them so that is his secret. It's called lying. This is what he does. If a captain catches 3,000 pounds of cod, which is a fish for which Raphael has a low allotment, he calls the cod something else, like haddock, a fish for which he has a huge allotment. This year, I'll have 15 million pounds of haddock, so I can call any son of a bitch haddock. It's just a simple matter of falsifying official reports that are sent to Noah. Raphael tells the boat captains how to lie about what they catch. He lies about what he buys. So back at Noah, when they compare the two, they don't detect any fraud because they match. And so Raphael can catch whatever he wants and not be limited by his quota, what the government allows him to catch. When law-abiding fishermen reach the end of their allowable share of the catch, they are forced to stop fishing. Or they have the option to buy more quota. They gave me, I think, 6,000 pounds of winter flounder for the whole year, which starts May 1st. So I've already used that up. So in order to stay in business, I have to lease the rights to catch more flounder from another fisherman. Honest fishermen like Rodman Sykes are forced to pay for the right to catch more fish. Because he is lying to the government, Carlos Rafael does not have that expense. That's why 90% of them are not making it because I'm in the bayonet. I can call them whatever the f I want in the bayonet. So I didn't have to go out and buy clothes. And Rafael claims his captains profit from the scheme as well, because he requires them to chip in on any quota that he is forced to buy. The captain knows, and the captain is the one that loves to do that, because he doesn't want to go buy that quota. So every time I do the charade, they're making money. And later, when the scheme is discovered, some people on the waterfront understand a captain's choice. I can tell you one thing. If you're a captain of a fairly good vessel that's making fairly good money at a time where some of your compatriots are starving to death or going out of business or losing their homes, you'll pretty much do what the hell you're told. And I don't want people to think that, you know, that, that I approved of it, uh, but I, I think I understand it. 
By January 2016, the IRS agents know they need to get more proof of Raphael's scheme. And at their last meeting, he provides it all. He pulled out trip reports. He pulled out bills of lading and deal reports. All the documents that identify what was being caught, which boat was landing it, and to whom it was being sold. It's as if he is showing off a great achievement. He is proud of his scheme. I've seen it all. And I've done it all. That's the other thing. I've done it all. I wrote the book. Anyone seeing Carlos Rafael on the New Bedford waterfront would not suspect that the man is worth millions of dollars. He drives an old pickup truck. His house is a modest home in nearby Dartmouth that he bought in 1980. And while he typically keeps the details of his finances close to his chest, in 2016, he is forced to open his books to two Russians who say they want to buy his business. Alex is an undercover agent for the IRS. Grandma was sitting behind a desk, and uh, you know, he was out in his drawer and pulls out a piece of paper with the, with the cash um, payments. This would have been another six, seven thousand dollars at my bottom line. Okay. It is a receipt of sorts for six hundred thousand dollars, money that he says he receives from a wholesale fish dealer in New York City. The dealer is not in on Raphael's fraud. He simply buys his fish from Raphael at a discount because he pays with cash, hand-delivered to Raphael. He would meet Carlos halfway between New York and Boston and give him a duffel bag with cash in it for the fish. The bags of cash were so heavy that sometimes they would struggle to actually carry them. And the bags of cash are deliberately kept out of sight. So for Carlos, those cash payments never made it on his books. So that became unreported income. And that's something of interest to the IRS agents he is talking to. They ask, what happens to the cash? Carl said, I got it overseas. Well, wait, wait. If you have it overseas, you have to fill out paperwork and stuff, right? There's currency uh, reports that you fill out at an airport anytime you take more than $10,000. What do you mean you're, you're bringing it out of the country? Rafael says he has a friend with special credentials. I call him, I say, hey, I'm flying out tonight, you know? I'm not working tonight, you better get your ass day because I got like 60,000 of my ass. I ain't going through the day. So he goes there, I give him the envelope to in his pocket. He doesn't go to security because he got one of his badges. He's, he's an agent. That agent he is talking about is a local law enforcement officer breaking the law and getting cash past security at Boston's Logan Airport. It was a very big moment for us. You have to understand, that's where 9-11 started. And now we're hearing about a law enforcement officer circumventing controls and security at that same airport. So we right away were very alarmed, very worried. The officer is Bristol County Sheriff's Deputy Antonio Freitas. Rafael says Freitas owes him. I got him the job. I got him his raises. So you'll do what the f I tell him to do. Shortly after Rafael makes that claim, Freitas is caught smuggling cash for his friend Carlos Rafael. So Freitas was ultimately indicted for conspiracy and bulk cash smuggling. So he was tried and convicted. 
He is sentenced to a year in prison. The IRS undercover operation ends in January 2016. The government feels it has what it needs to move forward. As the agents say goodbye to Raphael, he thinks he has sold his business to a couple of Russian mobsters. After all, he is untouchable. He would brag to us over and over again how no one was ever going to catch him and how everyone had been trying to catch him for years and years and years. And, you know, he knew that he was tricking everybody. And meanwhile, at that time, he was the one getting tricked. For years, Carlos Rafael runs a criminal operation believing he will never be caught. He confidently tells the undercover agents, I've run circles of this ass. Everywhere else, when kids up, yeah. everybody went bust. Yeah. And we are flying, we keep buying books, we keep buying fish. They could never figure out how we did it. But on February 26, 2016, more than a dozen federal law enforcement officers surround Carlos Seafood and move inside to arrest Rafael. Carlos Rafael was quoted in the press as saying, I'm a pirate, it's your job to catch me. I love that, because that's perfect. We caught him. After the raid on Rafael's business with hundreds of his records seized, Federal investigators begin the work of sorting out his lies. Fish by fish, boat by boat, sail by sail, thousands of transactions. In the end, the government comes up with a figure. In four years, Rafael illegally caught at least 782,000 pounds of fish. My first question was, is that a lot of fish? So we asked an analyst at NOAA, and the analyst said, if forests were your thing, this would be like burning down Vermont. We said, OK, it's a lot of fish. And it's important to remember whose fish those are. You know, this is really a crime against all of us, because these fish didn't belong to Carlos. He didn't spend a dime raising them. He didn't feed them. He just went out and took them. And he took them illegally. and. He took them not just from his fellow fishermen, he took them from us. In March 2017, faced with 15 hours of undercover recordings made by the IRS agents, Rafael pleads guilty to conspiracy, falsifying federal records, bulk cash smuggling, and tax evasion. Through his attorney, he declines American Greed's request to participate in this report. At his sentencing hearing, Rafael argues that in perpetrating his scheme, he was actually trying to help fishermen in New Bedford. He wanted to keep them working. He asks for 24 months of community confinement, claiming that his crime was stupid, not greedy. The judge disagrees, saying this was not stupid, this was corrupt. He sentences Rafael to 46 months in prison. I think he was convinced to give Carlos Rafael a high sentence by the sheer extent of the misconduct in this case and the fact that he had been prosecuted three times in the past for crimes related to his fishing business. So I think we were able to convince the court that unless federal law enforcement was going to be a complete joke, it had to be the last time. Rafael is in federal prison. 
But there is a worry on New England waterfronts that his crimes have hurt the reputation of all fishermen here who essentially operate in an honor system. Carlos didn't care about the honor system. In fact, he used it um, to his advantage and really, in the process, dishonored every other law-abiding fisherman out on the water. And those law-abiding fishermen believe that is unfair. They have a message for anyone who hears the story of Carlos Rafael. I want them to know that the, the vast majority of fishermen in this port, New Bedford, all up and down the East Coast, are honest, hardworking guys, very hardworking guys. And while some want to blame the system itself for Rafael's crimes, others are clear. There is just one person to blame, Carlos Rafael. He's the person who broke the law. That's where the blame needs to, to be with this person who's not a fisherman, he's a crook. Thanks for listening to the American Read Podcast presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.